0: Hello and welcome to The Rogers Brief. I'm Adam Rogers. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Today was day 52 of the Mass Casualty Commission proceedings and today featured uh, the eighth uh, discussion roundtable session uh, dedicated to issues around uh, domestic violence, intimate partner violence, gender-based violence. And uh, like other days uh, and other discussions of this nature there was no uh, reference to the killer Gabriel Wartman, his uh, common law spouse of 19 years, Lisa Banfield, or any of the other specific factual elements of the events of the mass casualty of April 18, 19, uh, 2020. Uh, we've come used to that now that these expert discussions have really, uh, you know, they don't connect their expertise to the events, so that's fine. I, just, I mentioned that off the top because a story from the Canadian press caught my attention. And in the story, uh, one of the panelists from yesterday's panel, one of yesterday's panels, uh, Carmen Gill, a UNB uh, professor, uh, sociology professor, spoke to the uh, Canadian press about the notion of criminalizing coercive control. Of course, that was discussed at length yesterday in the, uh, in the afternoon panel. But no connection was made to Ms. Banfield or the events of the mass casualty. But in the interview afterwards, uh, Carmen Gill, Ms. Gill, uh, mentioned, yes, that Ms. Banfield was certainly the victim of coercive control. So, um, just interesting dynamic. I thought that, you know, during the proceedings themselves, there can be nothing said or any connection made between the expert, their expertise and the events but as soon as that's done afterwards in interviews people are making those fairly clear connections in some cases like the course of control uh, discussion Uh, so that was um, just a point i see in reading some of the news reports coming out of yesterday Uh, not a great deal of uh, coverage of today's panel not a great deal of live coverage of any of these panels which uh, again i think somewhat feeds into the mass casualty commission's goal of I think um, having people, fewer people paying attention to uh, what's exactly going on. Today there was, oh, by the way, it's uh, 30 degrees uh, and sunny outside here in July, Nova Scotia, so very few people would be paying attention as well. Look to me, I was watching the live stream that the room where the uh, proceedings were taking place was fairly empty. Um, be curious to see from anybody inside whether that was the case. None of the reporters that have been covering the mass casualty uh, really were doing any live tweeting today, so I didn't get that sense from inside the room uh, from them. So uh, discuss in the discussion today, which went from about 9.30 until just after uh, 1 p.m., a little break for uh, just a little mid-morning break, where uh, Pamela Cross, who is the legal director of Luke's Place Support and Resource Centre in the Durham region, which is just uh, east of Toronto. Dr. Deborah Doherty, who is the former Executive Director of the Public Legal Education Information Service of New Brunswick. Emma Halpern, who is uh, the Executive Director of the Elizabeth Fry Society in Nova Scotia, uh, does great work there. Uh, Emma was... Think a year i think she was a year ahead of me at law school anyway we were, we overlapped uh, during our, our years there at dell uh professor janet mosher from osgood law school in uh, toronto lorraine whitman the president of the native women's association of canada and dr rachel zellers who is a uh, an associate professor at st mary's university in halifax and also, actually, a, a board member along with me of uh, Engage Nova Scotia. Actually, have not had a chance, haven't had the pleasure yet of meeting meeting Dr. Zeller's in person. We've uh, had some Zoom meetings together, board meetings together through Engage, but haven't uh, met her yet face to face. Okay, so. Uh, I'll go through some of what was discussed today. A lot of it was repeating, and actually the panelists uh, themselves were sort of acknowledging that some of what they were discussing was repeating things that were covered in earlier uh, panel discussions. But if you want to know uh, really the tone of, uh, and the content of what took place, there was two things that t- happened before, or that I noticed happening before the conversations really got started uh, that sort of give us uh, all a sense of what was going to take place. One was, uh, Miss Whitman, the president of the Native Women's Association of Canada, uh, started off uh, with a blessing uh, before the panel started. Now you'll know if you've been watching the Mass Casualty Commission that they start every day off with the sort of standard uh, brief land acknowledgement. But uh, Ms. Whitman also, in addition to that, uh, requested and was given permission, uh, presumably I guess, to do a blessing before the uh, before the panel discussion started, everybody stood up like we were in church and uh, listened along with her uh, as she did this sort of um, uh, blessing or, or spiritual wish that the discussion would uh, go well and, and bear fruit and do all those good things. So. Uh, that was that was one thing. You don't really see this in court. Uh, I mean, if this was a formal religious prayer of some sort, I think it would be certainly frowned upon. Uh, you don't see that in court, uh, any kind of judicial proceeding, but uh, that was uh, requested and permitted uh, this morning. The other thing was uh, Miss Cross, Pamela Cross from uh, from the uh, Luke's Place Support and Resource Center in Ontario, I noticed her laptop was showing very prominently on the screen and on the back of the laptop was a big sticker for uh, Thelma and Louise Live, which uh, I looked up as a uh, live version play of the 1991 movie, excellent movie, Susan Sarandon, Gina Davis, Brad Pitt, uh, all those things. Um, So if anybody's not familiar with that movie, you know, won some Oscars, it was nominated at least. Uh, both Thelma and Louise, at different times, were the victims of rape, and um, there was some murders. I don't want to give away anything, but uh, so they, so that's the, that was the theme of that movie, and trying to trying to emerge from those difficult circumstances. So uh, that was that was on display with uh, Miss Cross's laptop. So I thought that was kind of curious. Okay, so uh, the discussions. The discussions topics included such things as uh, the difficulty with um, women, uh, black women in Canada, with the racial history of uh, slavery and how women were brought in and all those things that were uh, makes it uh, difficult for them. For some women, the precarious immigration status that they have makes them much more dependent on their uh, spouse who's potentially a sponsor could potentially withdraw that sponsorship and put their immigration status in doubt uh, drug addicts uh, that uh, you know i would have difficulty with child welfare services uh, in any kind of a breakup sex workers same kind of a story uh, long discussion on uh, women in a rural context having difficulty so and i understand this too you get uh, you know used to worry about people coming to my office, the law office, and uh, parking there. And like, well, somebody drives by, they're going to recognize the vehicle. And sometimes people would take other means to get there or park a little further away, depending on the circumstances. But if you you park there and, you know, your neighbor, your mother-in-law drives by, sees your vehicle there, well, what were you doing at the law office? Uh, you know, or if you make a report to the police, well, that police officer might be in your your church or community group that you're in, uh, your spouse might be the coach of a local team or some uh, community leader or have connections, all that sort of thing. Uh, so that's all uh, all true. Uh, the other another issue that was brought up was issues around child custody. If a woman leaves a difficult relationship, abusive relationship, and goes into a living situation that isn't stable or isn't, you know, doesn't have enough bedrooms and all those things. Well, then all of a sudden, as between the two spouses, the child custody uh, family court, you know, might come down on the side of the more stable situation and thus the uh, the victim of abuse could lose custody of children uh, just by making a report. So uh, some interesting discussions there. Uh, one I think more than one of them experts noted that, you know, sometimes it's the worst advice to give, but the, the accurate, terrible to say, but uh, sometimes the safest thing to do for women in these difficult circumstances is to stay in them rather than leave and put themselves at even greater risk, put their children at risk, all of those uh, cascading effects. So those, uh, so those are all interesting. Uh, emotional at times, I mean, there were some stories being told, examples being given of other situations that these uh, women were dealing with, uh, clients of theirs were dealing with. So, you know, the, the, the discussion or the panelists, at least, were getting emotional and the other panelists with us were also getting emotional and listening to people sort of hush, a lot of hushed tones Respectful reactions, all those uh, things that you might expect from this, the kind of a weighty discussion. But there was no real attempt to connect this expertise or these situations to the events of the mass casualty commission. I've said this before, and I don't want to keep repeating uh, points that I've made in other videos. But you know, here we have the. These experts, and no attempt made to connect their expertise, their fields of study, to the situation being faced by Miss Banfield. You know, Miss Banfield, who wasn't living in a rural area. The cottage was in a rural area, but she was living in Dartmouth, who had supportive uh, family members who could, uh, to whom she could have gone to stay. I believe she's staying with her sister now. Uh, who had access to at least one vehicle who had, um, probably, it sounds like access, potential access, uh, Wartman wouldn't have been too happy, but it probably, but to thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in cash hidden around the, uh, the hosts, the, you know, in Dartmouth, in Pic. So had in, in that sense, an ability to, uh, to protect herself at least to some extent. So, uh, not really in the same circumstances as are being described by uh, the panelists or that were being described by the panelists today. So I would have liked to have seen more of a discussion on those you know whether it's her specific circumstances or circumstances more in line with hers rather than these uh, very much marginalized women uh, that were sort of the focus of today's discussion. Okay so that's uh, that's the specifics Stepping back for a second, I mean, like I said, this is the eighth session panel discussion, you know, expert witness panel of discussion of domestic violence, intimate partner violence, gender based violence. That would seem to imply that the Mass Casualty Commission has determined that this is the most important causal element of the events of the mass casualty. That's one thing, and that this is. The area and/or I guess that this is the area where the most meaningful change might uh, potentially occur. Neither of those two conclusions are obvious uh, to me, having watched the proceedings to date. Um, you know, did I think it's still an open question? Did domestic violence? Did uh, Miss Banfield? You know, his feelings towards Miss Banfield, his abusive conduct towards her. Her prompt Gabriel Wortman to burn down his own buildings, his own cottage, uh, warehouse, and then go on to kill uh, 22 other people. That's not obvious. Uh, we've heard about property disputes. We've heard about his COVID-19 concerns. Uh, we heard about, you know, potentially complex relationship with the RCMP and the police generally all of those issues have com- received really comparatively little attention from the Mass Casualty Commission, uh, you know, compared to domestic violence and related issues. So, uh, it seems as though the commission has, or the commissioners have made that determination in advance that that is the most important causal, uh, element of all of this. So, um, don't, I think that's a premature conclusion. And if it is a conclusion, they haven't actually stated that it is a conclusion yet. so, uh, some issues there tomorrow. Uh, so that's all I wanted to say about today's proceedings. Tomorrow, if anybody is going to be watching on a sunny Friday in July with thirty degree weather, uh, there's two experts that are going to be presenting on forensic psychological assessments. Now, they are not presenting a forensic psychological assessment of Gabriel Warman. Rather, they are going to talk about the concept and the current sort of science around these assessments and tell us um, how accurate uh, any assessment of Gabriel Wartman uh, may have been, could have been. I hold out a sliver of hope that they'll actually talk about him in the reports that are published uh, on the uh, commission website. I don't think the word Warman is used, there doesn't seem to be any reference to him directly, although uh, they seem to be studying, if, I, if I'm reading these correctly, they seem to be studying a forensic psychological assessment that was done of Wortman, and they're going to come in now and tell us whether that study was uh, accurate or helpful. Uh, so, we'll see... Uh, We'll see what that says, uh, what they say about all that uh, tomorrow when they come in to testify, and I will be watching it, and I will report back to you after that all takes place. So uh, thanks for uh, watching. Thanks for listening today, and we'll see you next time.